Six. Seven. Handbags. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. We're good. I We're just good. absolutely was not expecting that. Internet, you're tuning in episode 14 of the Potscast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, everyone. And Pixelpar. Hey, guys. On this week's show, we're talking about alternative controllers, the future of Bravely Default, and games, 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 games! No reaction? Do you guys not have used car salesmen there? No? We do, but they're not like. They're not like shady like yours. When I think of used car salesmen, they're not shady. Like, when I think of American used car salesmen, I think of like that guy from Matilda. You know, the yeah. one that like sells yeah. like some absolute lemons. Yeah, I, I guess that was a that was an audio styled reference that just is gonna go over your head because it was somewhere between used car salesman and announcer for monster truck show, which is just a thing I don't think that you guys have at no. all. I don't believe there's ever been a monster truck outside of the United States. This is their natural habitat. You know, that reminds <laughs> me. I had this, like, when I had, like, a Windows 95 computer back in the day, I had, like, this demo disc, and one of the games on there was, like, this Microsoft Monster Trucks game. It was, like, Monster Trucks Madness. It was absolutely incredible. I played that game so much. Just the single-level demo just over and over and over again. It looks like crap now. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you have, like... A moment like that where you're just like, man, I've never seen a car like this. Probably, yeah. I think I probably had a toy monster truck. That's about as close as it comes. Okay. What I'm hearing here is that we could very quickly corner a market. I think we got to make a British monster truck rally. Just like a really, you know, I don't don't know what would exactly be different, but I'll leave that to you guys. I'll just handle the trucks. What TV show is it where they always want to go see monster trucks? Is it The Office? No. I don't think so. I don't know, House, he's always obsessed with monster trucks, isn't he? House, it's House, yeah. House and Wilson always want to go see monster trucks. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right, but before we get uh, dragged in the comments or on Twitter for talking too much about monster trucks, this is a Nintendo show. So let's kick things off by talking about what we're playing this week. Steve. You've been playing a little game called Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, I've been playing a lot more. I've unlocked so many characters now. Are you, have you, like, how close are you to the full roster? Do you know? I think I've got, like, 60 now. All right, so you're almost there. Yeah. Like, I'm finding out that if you're in the world of light, you have to come out of it every now and again in order to check if there's a new one that's going to be, like, appearing, because otherwise it takes forever to get anything. Yeah, that's, like, a really... I'm not a big fan of that system. Like, I feel like it should be easier to unlock the characters in yeah. World of Light or or Spirit Mode or whatever. Like, just just make it consistent. Because if you go, if you click back and then go to the menu, it'll, like, come up with that red screen. Like, new challenger approaches. And it reminds me of that, like, Pokemon, the end of po- Pokemon or, like, a Pokemon ad break. And it's like, who's that Pokemon? And it, like, doesn't tell you who it is, but there's, like, that <laughs> outline of the character. And then it goes into the, it goes into the match. I don't know who... I want to be my main character, though. I'm still kind of the best with Kirby. That's, like, the easiest character for me to play, which I think is probably the case for everyone. You're definitely going to want to pick a different character. I'm quite enjoying Inkling Girl, and I'm quite okay. enjoying uh, Bayonetta. 
She's right. good, like with her fist things that pump, punch out, and then like she's got a gun, so you can shoot from a, a, a good range. But if someone gets near you, you can like punch them away with your smash attack. That's pretty fun. I still think Link's like the most versatile character in it. Which one? Normal Link, Young Link, or Toon Link? Ooh, they're all pretty much the same, aren't they? You know, just slightly different bomb variations. <laughs> yeah. Regular Link's a little more different because he doesn't have the hook shot either, but like that's about it. Mm, true. I really like the remote bomb, though. I like. I, I hated it at first, but it's really useful for gimping people. You know, like, if you get quick with it, like, I, there's nothing more satisfying than knocking someone off the level, level, chucking a bomb at them and blowing it up before they can recover. It's like, that's the most satisfying way to get a kill it, it, that I've experienced. I was going to say, I love it when you can, like, hit someone up in the air, throw a bomb up in the air, oh make God. it explode, knock them further, then do your up spin attack. It just completely decimates people. Dude, I, I won a game the other day. I was, like, doing a one-on-one against my friend, and he, like, kind of had me on the ropes. And I got him in the, the charged up smash. F- 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 um, you know, he flung him up at the straight, like, straight up in the air. And he was DIing, and I was like, oh, he's coming back down. And I chucked the bomb up and blew him up off screen, and he <laughs> lost it. Like, he didn't even get mad. He was just like, holy crap, that was incredible. <laughs> so good. So I'm still not decided who I want to play as, but I'm gonna wait. The other one, guy, the other person I really like is Bowser, like the way he does that spin attack. Like Ooh, when he's someone's so like, good now. Yeah, he's like he's they made really they made good. tank characters so much more viable. You know, like they're quicker and like those invincibility frames like really come in handy. Like that drop kick that he has, mm-hmm. it's like it's like it counters like almost everything in the game. It's just if you get knocked off though, it's almost impossible to come back. Yeah. His his recovery is not the best. Yeah, that's my only concern with, with him. Like you can you can like do that dash in the air, like dodge in the air, and he'll sort of go a little bit quicker. But other than that, if you're, it's not like Kirby where you can be like off the screen by like six miles, and you know he's still coming back because <laughs> he like jumps, has like ten jumps before he before he like <laughs> disappears. What about uh, you, Pete? What have you been playing this week? So uh, I've been playing a little indie game called Dying Reborn. It's actually a little, little indie game. I'm not joking this time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it's very interesting. It's it's a very much um, it's like an old school adventure game where it's like you're it, it's like a combination of that and like an escape the room. You know, it's like a horror scenario where you're like locked in this hotel and there's this whole story that's. You can read my review about it and get into the story. I don't want to, like, spoil anything because that's really the meat of the content. But in terms of, like, the moment-to-moment gameplay, you're – at every level, there's six levels, and you're locked in a room. And you have to go around the room and find objects, uh, figure out how they interact, find clues, and then interpret those clues. So it, it, it it's a mixture of things like, oh, pick up this item – and realize how it interacts with this item so that you can move forward to the next, like, uh, cutscene or the next, like, pre-sequenced event or whatever. Or sometimes it's like, okay, here's this piece of information. It's up to you to understand what it means and to contextualize it in the level that you're in and figure out where you're supposed to go from here. So it ranges from, like, very, very obvious and simple to, like, super esoteric and, like, how the fuck was I ever supposed to figure that out? You know, so, so is it like, uh, is it like layers of fear where you're wandering around and you can go from room to room and you're trying to find it within multiple rooms, or is it more like 
Zero Escape on 999, where you go, you kind of solve the room, then you have a bit of a cutscene, then you go into the next room, and they're like enclosed things. Yeah, it's more like the latter. So, like, the first level is you're, like, literally locked in a room in a hotel, you know? And then, like, the next one is, like, a hallway, and there's, like, two rooms that offshoot it. So, like, there are multiple rooms within a room, as it were, sometimes. Like, I'm on a level right now. I'm on the the, the, the third level as of the time of this recording. Or, no, I just finished the third level. Sorry, I'm on the fourth level. And uh, in the third level, there's, like a room with, like, stairs, you know, so there's, like, multiple layers, so there are, like, different parts of the room, and it's nice because generally an item that you find in one room generally only applies to the puzzles in that room. So it's very much like a real-life escape room, like, if you find a key to a padlock in this room, it's going to be in this room, but then when you go into the next room, it's, like, completely different, you're not going to be bringing any items with you. Yeah, by the time you get into a new room, generally you have, you've used all the items that you can. Like, in that second level that I was mentioning, where there's the hallway, there's a puzzle that you need items from the two other rooms that you solve things in, but, like, that's it. You know, so it's like, that makes sense, right? Because it's the culmination of, well, I found something in the hallway, I found something in here, and I found something in here. These three things combine to solve this puzzle, you know? So, it's interesting. There are... I th- there are a lot of things I like about it. I think the puzzles in general are, are pretty well designed. I think it's a nice mix of carrot and stick of things that are easy to do and things that require a little bit more thought. But there are some optimization issues that I'm not a fan of. Um, especially if you... If the game previously came out on PS4 and just like... I, I, I hit a point where I needed to look at a walkthrough because I was just like, I'm really frustrated. I need to move forward. This is for a review. So I, I was like, this game already came out like two years ago. I'm sure somebody has done something like this. And like the difference in like the lighting in, in the Switch version is really weird. Like there was a clue that was almost totally obscured to me because the lighting wasn't right on Switch. Wow. And like in a game that's about finding obscure esoteric clues and understanding them, like that's really unforgivable. Uh but I was able to fix it. Like, I had to adjust the brightness, close the game, reopen the game, and then reset the brightness, and then it looked normal. But that's not good, you know? And, like, the game's not out yet. I have it early for review. There could be a day one patch. That's all things that are worth pointing out. But that's a really big problem. And it's weird. Like, the one thing I noticed is there's voice acting in the PlayStation 4 game. There's no voice acting on Switch. Oh, that is weird. Like what? Like what possible reason could there be for that? You know, so it's 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 little stuff like that that's throwing me off more than like the actual gameplay itself. It's like the optimization of it, and like the story is interesting to me in some ways, but it's not very well told. Like the dialogue is not very good. It's very stilted, and like a lot of times it just it just feels like it feels like it's either poorly written or a bad translation and i really can't mm-hmm. tell which i mean judging by shia it could be the latter right and it's funny because if you did read my review of of uh shio or shio i never really figured out which it was uh there was something i complained about that the, that the text wasn't optimized right where there were like times where there wouldn't be a space between sentences or there'd be like uh typos or like um, missing punctuation and like that's a problem in this game too which leads me to believe it's maybe a translation issue but 
in a game where there's no dial uh, like no spoken dialogue and I have to read all the text like you should really proofread better you know like mm. there's like a journal and like I caught a typo yesterday where it's like it's supposed to be like what does this mean and they wrote what does this mean you know and it's like that's an easy fix man come on you know run run uh spell check through your copy you know like <laughs> What's the what are the actual puzzles like themselves? Other than not being able to find some clues because of bad optimization, are the puzzles interesting or difficult? Yeah, some of them are really interesting because, like, it, a lot of times, like I said, it's it's about interpreting clues, not just getting a clue and being like, "This is what this means," right? Like, uh, just like an anecdotal example, right? Like, there was a um, a trophy that I found for a radio prize and then later i found a radio and it was like oh i bet that it's the the radio station that they mentioned in that thing right or like Mm -hmm. there there was a thing where it's like oh you can't waste a minute right so and this is a mild spoiler for one of the early puzzles it's like you can't waste a minute and you needed to look at a clock and see what the minute count was you know so it's like there's a lot of things of just being like okay it's presented me with this clue what does this mean and what are what are the pieces i currently have that i haven't figured out what they do yet you know like oh there's a television in this room i bet that i have to interact with that at some point but i can't right now like do i have something that might turn that on you know or like you know oh there's a lamp and it says that like the the electricity doesn't work i wonder how i turn that on you know like some of it is common sense some of it it takes way more thought and like i said there were there were moments where i was just like i really don't know how i was supposed to figure that out you know and and i did end up like referencing a guide cuz i'm like not uh, like a genius when it comes to to like adventure game style like puzzle reasoning, you know, of like, oh, if I combine the shoelace and the fishing pole, I'll be able to get this key, you know, like that's not <laughs> just not how my brain works all the time. So there have been times where I've been genuinely stumped. So if we ever need to get rid of you, Pete, we'll just put you and lock you in a room. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I would not do well in an escape room. <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's good because I like that there are times where I've been genuinely stumped, but it never feels like unfair. Like it's mm. like, oh, this was right in front of me. I just didn't think of it, you know? Is this a game where the main antagonist or something is a giant fish head? Yes. Uh, the main antagonist <laughs> is basically Jigsaw from the Saw franchise, but with a fish head instead of a puppet. Do you know, that reminds <laughs> me, what was that game on the Dreamcast where we were... Like, I was absolutely pissing myself laughing oh, yeah, about that, that was a fish, fish with a man head. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. The, the man fish game? Maybe yeah. they swapped over. Oh, what the hell is that called? It's his brother. <laughs> oh, and it's like, it's like Seaman or something. Yeah, that it's was it. It was the most It's Seaman. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, good times. So, your review's going up on lootpots.com this week, next week. Uh, let's, uh, let's say next week so that okay. if it comes this week, it's a surprise, Ooh. you know? Do you know what score you're giving it? <laughs> What's that? Do you know what score you're giving it yet? Oh, well, you'll just have to read my review and find out. So before we get into the news, uh, Steve and I both had a little, a little bit of, uh, experience this last week or so with an alternative control scheme. For Nintendo Switch. He picked up 8-BitDose N30 Pro 2 C Edition controller. And I grabbed Power A's wireless GameCube controller. Uh, so we both have reviews for these items coming to LootPots.com. But we wanted to just kind of briefly share some initial impressions. Steve, what have you thought about the controller so far? 
So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that I've been hunting for good D-pads since pretty much the beginning. And <laughs> I found I found one in the Hori D-pad Joy-Con for portable mode, but I wanted something that kind of is a better D-pad for when I'm playing on the TV. So when I'm playing stuff like Celeste or um, Hollow Knight, I wanted a, a better D-pad. So I was hoping that the 8-bit though would do it. I'm really enjoying the N30 Pro 2 more than I more than I thought I would. The the main reason I wanted it was because it's got that like GameCube vibe to it. The C edition is obviously a reference to like the C sticks on the on the GameCube controller itself. So that this gorgeous yellow color with like a the what did they call the purple? Was it indigo? I think so. Something like that. So it's like the same color as the uh, GameCube controller itself. Um, it's got some, it works with pretty much anything. So anything that has Bluetooth, you can connect it to your iPhone, your Android phone, uh, Nintendo Switch, PC, Mac, that kind of thing. So you, and it's got different modes. So you can connect to multiple things at once. You just hold down start and a different button when you launch it and it'll connect to the different device that you're looking to connect to. Uh, supports, uh, vibration, not HD rumble, but, um, just like standard vibrate, but it feels, it feels quite similar to HD rumble. But it just kind of gives you that one level of intensity rather than the different kind of effects that HD Rumble can do. It doesn't support motion control. So if you're looking for something on your TV to play, you know, Splatoon with or whatever, then this might not be the one for you. But otherwise, it's a fantastic D-pad. It's been great for things like I've been playing a lot of Moonlighter with it. So I can kind of use the D-pad rather than the sticks to, to move around with. And it's a lot bit... A lot more precise for things like that and things like Celeste, nice, uh, which has been which has been really good. My only kind of complaint with it, and I knew it going in, is that the the top buttons, so L and ZL and ZR and that kind of thing, they're aligned like they are on the 3DS. So you have like the mm. shoulder buttons L and R on the outside, and then on the inside is ZL ZR. Um, oh, and but it's I don't love that. If you remember the when they did the re-release of the. They did the top loader NES in America, mm-hmm. and they released it with these like dog bone style controllers rather than the uh, the old square kind of NES controllers. Really, it's, I've never seen those before. Okay, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But um, essentially, it looks like a dog bone. It's like two circles, sort of like a uh, SNES controller, but the top's curved as well. Okay, uh, it's the eight bit dog controller is pretty much shaped like that. And your hands rest on the uh, ZL, ZR buttons nicely on the inside. And they're very clicky. And then you can kind of just use the base of your finger to press on the shoulder buttons, L and R. So it, it works well. There's been a times when I've been a bit confused as to which button's which and which order it is. So like in Moonlight, I've accidentally taken a potion every now and again when I didn't really Ooh. want to take one instead of like <laughs> switching to my different weapon, which has been a bit of a pain. But I think that's just going to come with practice as to... You know, you get used to where the buttons are, whereas yeah, I'm, I'm used memory. to I'm used to where they are on the Pro Controller at the moment. So, uh, once I kind of play a little bit more with the 8-bit dough, um, I'm sure it'll be fine. The one other thing I really love is that it charges with USB-C, so I can just plug the same cable as the Pro Controller in and just charge it up. Nice. Um, yeah, that's good. So if you if you're looking for a controller, it's not it's not that expensive, and it's it's probably worth checking out. They also do the uh, the SN30, I think, which is like the SNES style one, which is 
a little bit more ergonomically friendly and has the uh, the shoulder buttons in the correct placement. So it might be <laughs> worth checking that one out as well, as well if you're looking for something. Does the um, controller have like support for the home button or the capture button or is that, you know? It does, yeah. So on the bottom there's a, a star button and an 8-bit uh, logo button. And essentially yeah. you press the one on the right, it takes you to home. You press the one on the left, it captures screenshots. Oh, nice. I was wondering, because like you said, it was compatible with other platforms. I was wondering if they'd missed those out for Switch, but good to hear that they're in. Yeah, that's very that's very smart. Uh, so for me, I checked out uh, Power A's GameCube controller, which um, I got to like briefly get my hands on uh, like right around the time Smash came out, because a friend of mine had it, and I was like immediately sold on it. Um, but I spent so little time with it that, like, I you know... It did take some testing for me to really, like, kind of formulate some opinions on it. I think for Smash, I think it's a really, really excellent solution if you want a wireless GameCube controller. Uh, and I think it might be the best one, excluding maybe getting 8-BitDose adapter, but I can't speak to the latency issues or any of that kind of stuff with that. So, you know, jury's out on that thing. But for this, I, I really like it, it because it is, I think, as close to a original GameCube controller as you could be with the modifications that are necessary for it to also operate as a pro controller. So both sticks are clickable, so you have an L3 and R3 button, uh, and the triggers for L and R work differently. Like, you know how on the GameCube you have that really, really smooth, it doesn't click until the very last... This is way more like clicky, like a button, you know? Okay. So that takes a little bit of getting used to. But um, aside from that, and then like the sticks feeling a little different because they're literally not the exact same sticks. Like they're shaped the same, they're molded the same, but they still, like they're different plastic. They feel different under your fingers. Otherwise, it feels exactly like a GameCube controller. The only thing I've noticed is that... Uh, I still have the muscle memory of after a Smash match, I go to press start on it, and it doesn't have a start button. <laughs> uh, it instead has a, a plus and minus button and a home and, and screenshot button, so it's literally just a pro controller. Yeah. So I've had to get used to going up to the like upper right and pressing <laughs> uh, plus to go forward, and that really has fucked me up. That's the one muscle memory thing that's really been hard to adjust to. Otherwise, it, it's it's basically identical. The D-pad is bigger and heftier. It's 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 uh, a lot more well constructed, I would say, than the original GameCube D-pad because even though it was a great Nintendo D-pad, it was so small. It was so small. It was like not usable for platformers. You know, like especially if you're like me and you have like slightly bigger hands. So I like this chunkier D-pad. Um, however. Uh, using it for other games, I've, it's, it's been a learning curve, I'll say, because, uh, I, like I was, I told, I think last week I mentioned I was playing the Lego Harry Potter collection with my girlfriend and that was super easy to adjust to, uh, playing with the GameCube controller because like B is jump and like, that's awkward, but you don't jump a ton in that game. So it was something where I was like, okay, this is a little different, but like after playing for like 30 minutes, I picked it up right away. Whereas when I was playing a game, uh, I tried playing Celeste with it, which obviously, you know, if you listen to our Game of the Year discussion, one of my favorite games this year, a platformer I spent a ton of time with, and oh my god, I could not play it until I remapped the controller. It was so, so disorienting to have A be dash and B be the jump and, like, trying to use B 
B to jump while using the D pad. It was like oh, the sp- it was like it was a it was a mess. And I was able to remap the controller and start playing again. And I was playing like one of the later levels that's like more difficult. So like that obviously didn't help either when I'm trying to pick up this brand new control scheme. But that was what I wanted to do to test. Like, can I do this in like tough precision platforming? You know, and uh, it works. And once I adjusted things, it was fine. But I think that's going to be the experience you find with a lot of these games because they are optimized for the pro controller, which just has a totally different layout. Like B is often jump on a lot of these games. And that's weird for a GameCube controller. It makes sense for the placement of the pro controller. So if you don't mind going in and remapping some of your controls, if you're using like it for other games, you know, that's, I, I think it's a suitable solution if you want a better D-pad or you want a, a different control scheme than the pro controller but i don't think it's going to become my go-to for things that aren't smash can this can it be used for like every game that a pro con- controller yep. can be connected to yeah it, it connects via bluetooth so like mm-hmm. when you go and like connect it to your switch like it, it connects as like a third party controller but otherwise, the Switch just reads it as a, a, a pro controller. Like, I actually went into uh, my Smash settings to change them because I, I decided I wanted to try to start uh, putting tilt on my C-Stick instead of charge Smash attacks. And um, I changed it for the GameCube controller. I went into the game, and I was like, why isn't this working? And I was like, oh, right, because it thinks this is a pro controller. So, like, it's seamless, You've got to try and play Breath of the Wild with that controller. Bet that'll be a complete nightmare. Oh, I'm definitely going to do that before I before I turn in my review. That you, you can that. you can swap the jump button in Breath of the Wild. There, it was something my boyfriend did because he hated where it was. I think it's A by default. I did it too. It? Yeah, I, I switched it so that it was. Um, I think it swaps forget- between A and B. So you might need to swap it back if you've changed it because A is jump. I'm fairly sure in Breath of the Wild. No, I honestly, it's the top one, isn't it? Whatever. Oh, it is, X. okay. X. So yeah. it swaps it X with A. So you can yeah. you could swap it between those two. So I think either way it's going to be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like really interested to see. Like I think playing Breath of the Wild on that controller would probably be bad. So I'm I'm going to try it out. The one thing I'm curious about does it have the octagonal thing around the stick? Yes, it does. Okay, because I loved that on the GameCube. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like exactly. Hold on, I'm going to grab it real quick so you guys can look. So yeah, I mean, if you if you guys take a look, like the build, it's exactly the same as a GameCube controller. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it does have the the ridges around both of the sticks. Yeah, aside from the added buttons, the D pad being a little chunkier, and the fact that they added an extra Z button so that you can have two, you know, uh, L one R ones or whatever the hell they call them on Switch. I've still never figured that out. Um, <laughs> they uh, L and R P. And then ZR and L, it's stupid. ZR and ZL. Yeah, come mm-hmm. on. Like, let's be real. Everybody else ripped off Nintendo's ABXY. I think you can copy PlayStation for this one, Nintendo. <laughs> uh, so, aside from those things, the build is, like, exactly the same. So, uh, again, I think it's a really, really great solution for Smash. And I think if you like the GameCube controller and you don't mind remapping control schemes when you start up a game, I think you can use it for other games well. But I think which games you're comfortable with it on are going to really depend on you as a player and how much time you spent with previous games. Because, like, spending, like, you know, 10 or 12 hours or however long I did with Celeste and then trying to switch controllers was not easy. Does it Uh, only work with the Switch or can you connect it to your PC? 
You know, I, I'm not sure. I, and I would imagine ima- you could, because the Pro Controller can. And it's Bluetooth? Yeah. So I would because... imagine you can connect it to any Bluetooth-capable device. Okay. That would be really nice if you boot it up Dolphin. Not that you should. Yeah. But, not yeah. that anybody ever emulates yeah. or, or, no, never, or, ever. or, you know. No, no one would ever do that. We would never advocate emulating games, never. Nope. I've never, ever made Let's Plays with emulated games, never. No, but Winamaker looks lovely in HD. Sure like, does. Through Dolphin. 60 FPS, <laughs> 60 no big deal. Uh, so, yeah, uh, keep it tuned to loopots.com. We've got articles coming out on both of these controllers. If either of them sound interesting to you, uh, you can keep it tuned here in the next probably week or two or three and uh, and get our full impressions and, you know, like our, our final, you know, I guess thoughts on if it's a recommendation or not. I'm going to hijack this section quickly. Because it's just reminded me, we were talking about controllers, and I saw yesterday, right, on Reddit, remember I bought that fake Pro Controller and took it apart and said, oh, you know, people could easily swap these things over, put logos on them and stuff. It's happened. People are literally selling fake Pro Controllers sold as Nintendo Switch Pro Controllers now. Wow. So we need to keep an eye on Pixel's video and article as to how you (laughs) notice what a fake one is, right? Yeah, it's funny because uh, I saw it on Reddit and the guy took pictures and like the battery's the right battery and everything. Oh. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, real quick. I had one more thing to say. Uh, I forgot to mention this. The Power Eye also runs on AA batteries, which is weird. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it because like I have AA's in my house because I have TV remotes and like the amount of like life that they last is like I'm never using AA batteries. So it's like. I still have to play with it more because I want to see how long I can play with it before it finally dies. But I'm sorry to mean to interrupt you, but that spurred a thought in me, and I would be remiss to not mention that. You know what, Pete? Any of us that own an Xbox have thousands of AA batteries with in charges <laughs> all over the place. I highly recommend the Panasonic Analoop batteries. Yes. They last for absolutely ever. If you get the Analoop Pro... That will last you forever. Your that's, a retra- that's a rechargeable battery? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to order that on Amazon right now. Yeah, they're like 1,500 <laughs> milliamp hours for each AA, so you pop it in, you've got 3,000 milliamp hour. What, what was it called? Eneloop. E-N-E-L-O-O-P. But yeah, no, I was going to make exactly the same comment, Steve. Eneloops, I've been using them for about four years now, and the batteries I bought four years ago, I haven't noticed... Barely. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Seriously, and I use them daily. We use them in like a... My missus has like a light-up mirror. I use them in my mouse, my keyboard. Had them four years and they're still going perfectly well. Wow, dude. Well, guess what? I just ordered it. Thanks for the recommendation, boys. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone from Loops is listening, you're welcome to send us a batch of Loop batteries because they're amazing. Yeah, we'll take we'll take an Eneloop and they're never sponsor. ever going to leave Pixel's house. They'll be like, no, we never got any batteries. They Didn't just, get any, and I've just got this giant <laughs> box full of any. Yeah, he's like, we're like, oh, this episode's brought to you by. It's like, oh, they never sent us the batteries, mate. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so that's going to wrap it up for what we're playing this week and which new third-party controllers we're trying this week. Uh, unfortunately, our dear friend Pixel had to jump out uh, between segments here, but Steve and I are here to, you know, we're, we're going to support you through this tough time. Daddy will come back one day, I promise. He'll come back with his <laughs> carton of cigarettes. Don't let him hear us. Call him Daddy. 
I really hope he doesn't listen to the episode now. <laughs> uh, but for our main topic this week, because there was so much news from the seeming Nintendo Direct that never was, uh, we've decided to sort of make that our main topic this week, and uh, we're going to just kick it right to what's out this week, which is, geez louise, a lot of games, Steve. Yeah, it's like, everyone went on a break for Christmas and New Year, and then they came back and realized that they had had all these games that needed to come out. And so for the first week of January, first full week of January, they've decided to just release them all. Yeah, we have 10 games to talk about here, which is literally more than we've ever had in this section, mm-hmm. so... And this this isn't even all the games, these are just the ones that were like... Oh, this looks the, good. The heavy hitters. Yeah. So, Stacked Week, uh, starting on Thursday, January 10th, which... Um, you know, as of by the time you're probably listening to this is yesterday. Uh, so out already is everything, which uh, if you are a, a fan of like YouTube and Let's Plays, I'm sure you're familiar with at least at some capacity. Was very popular uh, when it came to PC. I want to say last year might have been two years now. No, I think it was. It might have been two years PC. I think it was PS4 last year. Okay, was it, was it a VR game or is it? I don't know if there's been a VR port off the top of my head, um, but it, it kind it's... of feels like the thing it would be perfect for. Like a, it's like a trippy kind of experience, really, more than yeah, anything it, else. Isn't it's it? it's a very strange game. Uh, I only have actually experienced like it briefly through. I watched uh, the first episode or so of like Game Grumps Let's Play of it, and was like, "Oh, okay. this is awesome! I need to play this myself." And then proceeded to never pick it up. So now that it's coming to Nintendo Switch, if it's a halfway decent port, maybe this is my chance. Oh, this might may be one of the games that you stream then. Maybe so. <laughs> what about you? You thinking about picking it up? I, I don't know. Actually, it's one of those ones where, to be perfectly honest, it, the, it graphically looked like a piece of crap on Oh, yeah. Yeah, like... I just, I can't imagine what it's going to look like on the Switch. <laughs> it's, it, it's interesting, though, because, like, I wonder if it'll even look any different. Because, like... The badness is, like, intentional. You know, it's, like, okay. part of the style, you know? So, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is to it when it drops uh, yeah. our time tomorrow. So, we shall see. Uh, jury's out on that one. But maybe that will be something that you'll see us uh, stream or, you know, maybe we'll talk about it on Game Club or something like that. So, if you're interested in everything, let us know. Uh, so then next up, we have another addition to the Sega Ages series, which, uh, if you're not familiar, um, we incorrectly thought was just, like, kind of a, a low Yeah, what, you know, th- don't bother buying this, just go buy the, the Mega Drive collection, yeah. and then Pete just told us the next week, no, you're uh, all wrong. Yeah, I learned about <laughs> it, and I was like, oh, we could not have been more wrong. Yeah, these are, like, th- like uh, if, if you've ever played, like, the Mega Man Legacy collection, this is, like, way more akin to that, where it's, like, a uh, a series that is, like... Hey, like, let's really lovingly recreate these games. In some ways, they've actually improved on them. Like, I know in the Sonic uh, one that they did, there's, like, the original Genesis version as well as the arcade version, which is, like, a totally different game in some respects. The uh, Fantasy Star one they did, they added auto-mapping, which is something that modern gamers take for granted, I think. So they're, they're really going, like, back to the drawing board and, and squeezing out you know, what's good about these games, like keeping their, their soul and then really the things that drew people to them, but like smoothing off some of the rough edges and, you know, giving some like kind of modern um, bells and whistles, which I think is pretty much the best thing you can ask for when it comes to re-releases of classic titles. So 
Uh, if you are a fan of retro gaming like I am, I definitely think the Sega Ages franchise is worth checking out. Uh, and Outrun is uh, is like a just kind of retro racer um, adventure game, and they added like motion controls. There's new music. There's a new ranking system. So if you haven't ever checked it out, you know now might be a good time. If you are a fan of the original, it seems like they have added quite a bit that is going to entice you to want to give it a look. What games do you want to see come to the Sega Age? They're currently doing like the 16-bit era. I really just want them to hurry up and get to Crazy Taxi and then just bring that over so I can play Crazy Taxi on on the Switch, yes? So here's my thing with Crazy Taxi. I love Crazy (laughs) Taxi, but... We spoke about this before on the Dream... What was the one where we were talking about? That bloody fish man. We spoke about it earlier in this episode. (laughs) Sea man! (laughs) He came up earlier in the episode too, yeah! Uh, And you said you need the offspring in it. I remember yes. you said that. Yeah, yeah, that's non-negotiable for me. Like, if you don't have the original soundtrack, it's like it's just not Crazy Taxi. It'd be like it'd be like porting Tony Hawk without the music. You know, it's like yeah. no, that's such a big part of the package. And uh, so, as much as I would love a Crazy Taxi port, if they're not willing to shell out the money for the license to like a twenty-five-year-old <laughs> punk album, then I don't want to play it. <laughs> I don't get it. Why I don't get why they have done that. It's like how expensive. Like, when they licensed it, it was, like, new and popular. How much would it cost to do it now? It's a super old album. Like, you know, I watched the... I wonder if it's a kind of deal, because I watched... The, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the Noclip documentaries that come on YouTube yep, or video games. Yeah, yeah, Noclip is and great. They did, they did one about GOG, goodoldgames.com. And, and on there, an interesting kind of little tidbit came up. as like, we get asked all the time, oh, when are you going to bring this game? When are you going to bring this game? And... And some of the games, they said, we go to the developers and we've managed to track them down and we say, we want to sell you a game for like $5. And they say, absolutely not. We can't do that because we've made a licensing deal that every single copy of the game we make, we have to pay this person X amount of money. And we never anticipated that we would sell the game for less. So I wonder if it's a case of it was like originally an arcade game and then eventually came to like the Dreamcast and whether the home console version it was like, right, we'll pay you like 20 cents per copy sold. But if they did that now, because they would need to sell the game for less, it would be too much money to kind of pay out. Yeah, I, I guess it must be something like that because for some of these games, I know it's just an issue of like licenses lapsing. Like I know like last week uh, there was, you know, one of the big news stories was that uh, the Lego Lord of the Rings and Hobbit games had been delisted and will never be published again because of a, of a licensing lapse. But yeah, I wonder if in this scenario it was actually less a thing of lack of foresight of like licensing for future endeavors and more that it was so airtight that there's no wiggle room now. Yeah. But like, if that's, if that's the case, just do, do like an actual good, version of it and just charge what you need to charge to make the money mm-hmm. you know like katamari damasi is like you know almost i think a- that's what they need to do though like katamari damasi do uh, do like a a crazy taxi re-roll yeah, version right where it's it's now 16 by 9 they've updated the graphics a little bit like katamari doesn't look amazing it still looks like a ps2 game that they've kind of ported over just and smoother. done the graphics up a little bit yeah and i, I think it hasn't, got, it hasn't got to be too much no i think that's all you really need to do I mean, the other thing they could do is just let you connect your Spotify account and then make a crazy taxi playlist and then wang that in. Yeah, uh, that was something I said like a while ago when I was like, man, like they'll never, ever 
do a Tony Hawk collection. Like, that's the thing that's keeping Tony Hawk stuck in the past. And it's like, <laughs> they should just do that. Like, just put it out with no music. <laughs> and just be like, go on Spotify! <laughs> <laughs> I have to imagine that there would be some legal trouble if they did that, though. So, I don't know. Yeah, and the user created the playlist, not Activision. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's it's like it's like there's a there's like a highly advertised playlist. It's like not Tony Hawk 2 soundtrack. <laughs> the nice thing is that if they did that for Tony Hawk 2, it would be even better because I believe Tony Hawk 2 is the last one where they didn't even have the full songs. It was just like a minute long clip because there wasn't enough like space on the disc. Oh really? Yeah, I forget. It might be Tony Hawk one. It's one of the early ones. It's like that. And uh, so it would actually be better if they did it that way. So I don't know. Now we're now we're getting off track. That's not a second game. So okay, next up is BQM Block Quest Master uh, Maker Maker. Maker. Sorry, like Mario sorry. Maker. Dude, I'm sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> You're tired. It's bloody late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's been a long day for both of us. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, so yeah, this- I'm really excited about this because like this is the same week that. NIS America has delayed RPG Maker MV coming to the Switch. Right. And is, so this, due... is this the same company or? No, totally no? different. No, okay. This looks more like the name suggests. Like, I don't know if you've played Into the Breach. I haven't played it, but I'm familiar with it. I'm trying it's like to like. It's like a 3D isometric kind of looking uh, pixely uh, strategy game. I'm gonna look it up because I, I feel like I've definitely so seen it. It's before. like it's like it looks like that in that it's like a dungeon you make that's floating. Okay. And you make it out of these little cubes. So I guess sort of a bit Minecrafty in that sense as well. And you put it together and you can add in things like yes, puzzles and traps. I do remember this game. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you can yeah, so it looks it looks similar to that, and you can add like puzzles and traps and secret doors and enemies and things like that. Uh, full touch control so you can like drag and move things around and then it kind of you can play your dungeon and you can play other people's dungeons and send your dungeons to friends and that kind of thing so i guess similar to kind of mario maker and that it's like make your own thing and then go through yeah so i, I i'll probably check it out it's uh it's i think it was only like 10.99 that's cool it's not too expensive probably something i'll check out and maybe play on my plane ride next week very nice yeah, Steve and I are both going on vacation next week, so I am really interested to see what's going to happen for you guys. Pixel's going to have to scramble uh, some sort of cockamamie cast of characters to fill in for us, I guess. I don't know. She's going this going to be a really fun one to listen to. Yeah, I can't wait. I hope I hope that I'm able to download it while I'm away so that I can like listen to it and just oh, be like, oh, what send, are you doing? Should we send in emails with questions? Oh, Steve. That's brilliant. We have to do that. We have to do that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yeah, I don't know that I'm going to pick this one up. This kind of game really doesn't appeal to me. Like, I don't... You're not a creative type. No, like, you know, I am in my personal life, but not when it comes to games. Like, when I play... You want to just play them. Yeah. Like, Mario Maker was cool because I I was like, oh, well, I'll play other people's levels. Like, there was like a whole culture around that. Whereas, like, a game that's specifically about like building or making things or setting up levels or whatever just doesn't appeal to me. Like I'm not, you know, I think, I think everybody that plays video games at one point in their life has that moment of, I'd really like to make a video game. And of course I have that too, but not in this way. Like I don't have that like game design bug, you know, like (laughs) I'd much rather like 
be a story consultant or a composer or whatever. Like, that's more my speed, you know? So it's like, this is a cool thing for aspiring game designers or people who have that itch, but that's just not really the way I play games. Like, I really want to, like... I, I'm way more interested in sitting down and having somebody else sell me their vision than I am on, like, let me get in there with these tools and make my own, you know? Okay. Yeah, I kind of get that, but it doesn't sound like that. From what you're saying, it's completely the opposite. You want to come up with the story. You want to come up with the idea as the kind of creative director or director of the game and then have someone else wiggle some things around on the screen and press some buttons and out pops a game on the other end. I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. Like, I, you know, I'm just not a programmer. I'm not a, I'm not. No, that, yeah, well, know. that's what these tools are kind of for, I guess. Yeah. It's like, like, to me, this always interests me because it's like you have to work within the constraints of what they give you. RPG Maker MV, when that comes out, is significantly more in-depth. And, like, the PC version, you can add your own assets and script things, and it yeah. sort of becomes, like, a fully-fledged kind of game engine that you can use. Yeah, and there are, like, legitimate games that have been made in RPG Maker. Like, uh, is it... I think it's To the Moon is, like, probably the most famous RPG. Oh, really? that was, Yeah, that's totally made in RPG Maker, like, X or whatever. It's, like, two or... You know, it's a pretty old game at this point. So when, when RPG Maker comes out... We'll all have to is like the pots casts, pot heads, whatever the fuck everyone's called. Steve, oh my god, you guys, Steve Day, he said it, he said it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's official. We'll all have to put together a game. Yo, I would love with, like that. a quest that we have to do, and like we should totally crowdsource an RPG maker game that's just for just for the pots heads. <laughs> I'd love that. I would love that. Oh my god, when Pixel here is like... He's gonna hate this episode now that he's gone, but that's the thing, when when the cat's away, the mice will make weird video games. <laughs> so next up uh, is a game with a incredible name called Clock Simulator. I know. Yeah, I know. This was the main reason I put it on the list because it was because of the name. I saw the name of the game and I was like, oh yes, this has to go on the list. It's like, that's hilarious. So it's described as a minimalistic rhythm game where you are put in the role of a clock, the clock itself to explore the concept of time in a whole new way adds exclusive competitive multiplayer modes. So mm-hmm. obviously I guess this is a port, but uh, I, I think it was a mobile game or maybe a PC game. It, it's just, this is such a, <laughs> like, I love that. It's like, it puts you in the role of a clock to explore the concept of time in a whole new yeah. way. It's like, is this going to get existential <laughs> on me? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like a bit of a trip, to be honest. And I kind of just want to buy it just to see if it lives up to the name. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I can I like rhythm games, but I established that on New Year's Eve when we, when I played, um, Mario Party with my friends. There's, you know, that rhythm mode in Mario Party? Yeah. I failed miserably. Oh no. I, I wasn't, I wasn't even drunk. And like I couldn't, I couldn't hit any of them. I came last every single time. Oh no! Oh, so, <laughs> so, but I, I don't know. I feel like you have to buy it though. You have to give it a shot and give your review on the on the site now. And maybe not a full review, but you got to tell us about it. You got to check it out. Like a first impressions kind of thing. Yeah. yeah well, you know, like me here on the podcast. Maybe that'll be what we speak about. Well, yeah. You should come when what when, comes when you come back from your trip. You'll be like, all right, here's here's what I played while I was away. 
Game of the Year 2019 Clock Simulator. <laughs> uh, so next up is a, a game I'm really excited for. Uh, it's called Bury Me, My Love. Uh, it is a, this was actually revealed, um, as a Switch port back at the Kind of Funny Game Showcase, which I believe we briefly talked about on the show. And, uh, it's essentially, it was a mobile game. It's a story about, uh, a refugee couple where, like, you, um, so you're, I don't know if you play the husband or wife, but it's, like, about a, a couple who are, like, Syrian refugees who one of them, uh, is, like trying to like escape basically okay mm-hmm. wait no so it does say she is the one so you're you're playing yes. the husband and she's trying to escape the country basically and you need to communicate with her through text message and help her make decisions to ideally escape the country safely but yep. it seems very likely that there are plenty of mistakes that you can make that will lead to that not being the case so I imagine this is going to be a game that's like very emotional and heavy, and I am really looking forward to buying it, taking it with me on my vacation, and getting real sad with my girlfriend. So, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's nice to see a, d- a different kind of demographic as well, and a different story. It's not something that's ever really told story of a refugee and. People try and escape and that kind of thing. So it, to me, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to see how well it's received. I think, I think it probably will be a niche game, but I think the people that do play it will fall in love with it because it seems like the kind of game that's going to real, really hit you in the heart. Yeah, I agree. And this kind of game really appeals to me. I think one of the strengths of video games over non-interactive mediums is that they have a really, really, um, unique ability to allow you to inhabit another person's shoes, you know, like to walk a mile in their shoes, as it were. And I think that's a really powerful thing. And I think it's a thing that can really uh, lead to pretty significant social change, you know, because I I know I, I personally have played a number of games that have made me feel like I understand my fellow man a little bit better. You know, like uh, Celeste is a game I've sung the praises of this year that I think if you're somebody who doesn't struggle with mental illness, it can really help inform you. Or like, um, I believe the game is called Depression Quest was another one that I played that's uh, an RPG specifically about a man struggling with depression or, you know, stuff like that, Dragon Cancer. Like you've seen a lot of games like this come up mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. And I think they're really, really special, you know, and, and there's something that I'm glad that we're getting more of. There's another uh, phone game. I actually just bought it myself. I haven't had a chance to play it. Florence, which is similar like this, which is like a, about a relationship and all that kind of stuff. And I I really like this kind of game. I like games that really um, allow you to kind of get get in your feelings and uh, and explore, you know, something that you might not have ever thought about or experienced yourself, you know, or and that you couldn't, you know, because you're not a woman or you're not depressed or you're not whatever, you know, like that you can get that other experience, you know, and, um, and hopefully walk away with a little bit of understanding for, for the person who made it, you know, and that's really cool. So I'm excited to play this game. I really hope that it lives up to the hype I've set up for in my mind, but, uh, I think it looks really promising. Art's really cool and it's a super unique premise. So you can definitely expect to hear some thoughts from me about it when I return. 
So moving along to Friday, January 11th, we have new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. Do you know what? I can't believe I only got through one day of the week. <laughs> I know. That was just Thursday, boys and girls. Like, holy crap. So, uh, you know, we've talked about this one a bit. I don't really think there's too much else to say. It's a port of the new Super Mario Bros. U game that was with, on with Wii U. Peach, with Peach at Pete. Yeah, of course. And most important development in the Mario franchise in decades. <laughs> She's totally canon now. Steve is, And Steve's a happy boy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a great game. I played it quite a bit on Wii U. It was the first game I bought on Wii U, and I played the really? shit out of it. Yeah, it was. Um, and I loved it. So I uh, I definitely I, – I don't know if I'm going to double back to it. I threw it on my, like, highly anticipated games of 2019 list. I love a good 2D Mario game. I just don't know if I have the time to go back and play a game that I've played before right now when I still have – so many games burning a hole in my pocket you know it's like you think this will be one that you kind of there's a dry patch you know in summer or whatever and you'll go oh now it's time to bring out the 2d mario i think so i think if if there is a time where we do have a kind of a slow period and especially if i can catch the game on sale it'll be the month the fire emblem comes out for you (laughs) no i'm playing this one i'm gonna try (laughs) this one i don't hate fire emblem as a franchise i'm just sick of sakurai putting them in in smash that's the thing because let's be real there are so many dudes with swords in smash Mm -hmm. brothers it's absurd and they're all the same and they're like all and i don't know it's just like come on another like another dude with another sword it's another anime guy with a sword cool i get it there's like 12 of them i'm good you're you're hated right now but i'm i am picking super mario brothers up oh you're gonna get it like day one you might have, it depends if I get it before I go on my trip, but True. it'll be su- at some point. I'm hoping to get it before my trip because I will play it. I haven't played it because I didn't have a Wii U, so. Yeah, if I wasn't like in the middle of a bunch of other like smaller Switch games right now, I would probably pick this up for my trip, but it's like, mm-hmm. I'm still playing Moonlighter and really having fun with it, and like, I've got Hollow Knight and, you know, a bunch of other stuff to play, so it's like, meh, we'll see. S- side little... Well, I don't know what to call it, like a fucking path off. How are you getting on in Moonlighter? Oh my god, I, I'm having a... Tangent, tangent, that's the word I was looking That's for. the word. I'm having a blast with Moonlighter, and I finally got to the boss of the first dungeon. Uh, and okay. I'm like real close to beating him, but he keeps like just cleaning my clock. So I've decided I'm just going to spend like probably four or five in-game days... And I've already been doing this, like just amassing resources and money so that I can upgrade all my gear and then go take another stab at him. I highly recommend enchanting it and also buying, paying for the the bigger potions. Mm, so you, yeah. you know, you've got the small ones. If you and they're very expensive, you don't have the resources. But if you buy the buy five of them, you've got like pretty much five full healths that you can kind of go into the battle with. Yeah, and that's that's definitely my strategy. I want to go through that and then set a portal up, like, right before I go in to fight him. Yeah. I like the portals, actually, because it shows you where everything is on the map. Oh, my God, Have yeah. Have you gone through one and come back and gone uh-huh. back to it? Yeah, it's incredible. And it's like, oh, there's the there's uh, enemy, enemy, enemy. I won't go that way. Oh, there's a chest, chest, and there's the boss. Anyway, so- back to... Back <laughs> anyway, to- everyone should play Moonlighter. Back to the games <laughs> out this week. Uh, also out on Friday, so the day that this drops is uh, Tales of Vesperia, 
the definitive edition. So, you know, if you're not familiar with the Tales franchise, it's one of the, you know, most prolific uh, JRPG franchises, I would say. Of, is it of part all of time. the Tales franchise, then? Yeah, is it? I don't know. No, it definitely is. Yeah. Yeah, what are you kidding me? Of course. It's Tales of. That's the franchise. You're making me second guess myself over I really, here. I really don't know, if, like, what, what it's part of. Yeah, it's the, the Nam from Namco's the tenth mainland entry in the Tales series. Yep. Yeah, and I this do is, apologize. This is actually the uh, like the tenth anniversary of this oh, one. Okay. Yeah. Is so this like a reissue? Yes. Yeah. It's it's like the updated, you know, definitive edition, whatever. Like. Oh yeah, it came out in three sixty. Yeah, it adds two extra playable characters: uh, Patty Fleur, who's a uh, Cheerful and tough young pirate girl in search of treasure, adventure, and her forgotten memories. And Flynn Scifio, Yuri's best friend in an Imperial Knight, now joins the rest on their journey. So, I've never played this one, so I'm not really familiar with these characters, but... Um, I have never played Tales, but I know people that love these games. They are really cool, yeah. Uh, one of my dear friends, uh, co-host on the other video game podcast that I do, Andy, is a big fan of the Tales franchise, and I played... Um, Tales of Symphonia, which was the one on the GameCube, and I was a huge fan of that guy. So, um, why, yeah. have, why are you not thinking I get a miss then? Just, just it's a time thing. Like it's like I again and JRPGs like, suck your life out. Yeah, you? dude. It's like I just right now, like I the only hundred hour RPG that I have time for is Red Dead Redemption Two, and I have not played it in over a month because I've been so busy. So I've I I got out for Christmas. I've played maybe like five hours. I just rescued the guy that's in Strawberry. No, not Strawberry. No, it is. The I, other place. I think it is. I just broke someone out of prison. Well, there's so two guys. The there's off. one in Strawberry, and then that's I the one. In... That's the one. That's okay. Yeah. So it was the guy in Strawberry. So you're you're still early days in that. Yeah. Way early days. The, the fucked up thing is, is I put about 15 hours more into the game than you, and I'm not much further in the main story. That's the problem oh, with a game like sake. Red Dead Redemption. Like, oh every yeah, like you run around. I just found some woman that was searching for dinosaur bones, and I was like, what yep. the hell? Yeah, yeah, that guy's fun. So there's there's an endless amount of stuff to do in that game, and as much as I love it, I just have not had time to play it lately. And when I have like had a minute to play games, usually I'm tired and I'm like, I want to get in bed. I'm going to play Moonlighter. So that's just what's been speaking to me lately. Uh, so moving along to oh, um, you just put one in. Breaking news: Monday, January fourteenth. When? <laughs> no, I didn't just add that. No, I'm copying and pasting it. Shit. <laughs> I'm copying and pasting it to find the link because I forgot to put that in. Nice, nice. All right. So, uh, Forever Forest, which is a uh, pr it's a procedurally generated 3D game with like exploration, survival, adventure. It's like very you know seems like a very standard kind of like like almost like the forest or something like that, like a procedurally generated survival game. Yeah, I mean it look it looks really pretty, which was the main reason I put it in. I was really attracted to kind of the art style. Um, so you play as like this guy who finds a magical mask. Uh, and you have to kind of take on darkness that's overtaking the world. It's kind of a generic story by the sounds of it, but um, it might be one to check out. I don't really know what genre it is, but with procedurally generated, probably like a roguelike or something. Yeah, I mean, or like again, it does say it's like a survival. It could just be... Like, I, like I, I name-dropped a game called The Forest, where it's very much just like, hey, we're going to drop you on this world, survive as long as you can, and then you know you learn a little bit more, and then next time you get another shot at it. Mm -hmm. The art style is really pretty, though. It, has a it very, is, isn't it? Yeah, very the characters look amazing. Yeah, very unique look. 
It's like very stylized, simple polygons. I like it. So I don't know. We'll see about this one. If if I hear good things, maybe this one's one to look out for. Uh, so moving on to Tuesday, January 15th, we have Animusha Warlords, uh, which is the re-release of, um, you know, the Animusha classic game, Warlords. <laughs> so higher resolution graphics, uh, proper widescreen support, modernized controls. So it's another one if you're into, you know... The Animusha franchise, obviously this should be on your radar, and if you're in the mood for a, like, classic hack-and-slash kind of experience, like, worth a shot. Have you played Animusha? I didn't, but I had a friend who was, like, real into them when I was a kid, so, like, I'm kind of familiar with them, but it's okay. it's, it's not a game I, like, really am attached to. I can't, I can't decide if it's one I want to get. You know, like, I do like hack and slash kind of games that are more like Diablo than, say, like Devil, Devil May Cry. May Cry. Uh, yeah, I, this might not be for you then. Because this Capcom something is probably very Devil May Cry. It's, it's more on that side of the spectrum if my memory serves me well. Okay. Uh, so next up is a uh, roguelite slash tower defense game called Mars or Die. I am real interested in this one. I love a good tower defense game, and this looks really cool. It's a bit Starcraft-y. It's, it's, a, it's a bit brown it is quite brown. It is quite brown. I'll give it you that. It is quite brown, but then Mars is brown, so it fits. Yeah. You know? It's, it's as Daniel, one of our new recruits at Lootbot, said, it's probably just the right amount of brown. <laughs> I love that we call it the red planet, and it's like, it isn't red, it's brown. It's 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 like a sandy brown, but it's brown, man. She will get there, and then we'll go, oh, see, this isn't red, this isn't brown, this is like it's the brown. It's the what brown planet. What are we seeing through the camera? <laughs> So yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'll pick this one up either, just because, again, like, I'm just so inundated with games right now that, like, I just don't really need something else to suck away time from experiences I really want to finish. I'm constantly looking for games, though, that are the kind of ones, when I do go on trips, that I can pop in and out of. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. If I wasn't already in Moonlighter, I might be more inclined to pick this up, but because mm-hmm. I kind of have that as my side piece game, it's like, eh, I don't, I don't know. There's so many of those kind of little games that you can pop in and out of that are nice to have on your Switch. But like That's what I like about of... the Switch the most, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, like that is that's something to me that's like so important because the older I get, the less time I have to play games, especially to play games the way I want to play games, which is to sit down and like not talk to anybody and put on headphones for five hours oh, and yeah. just like escape into another place, you know, and yep. and really get that experience. Like that's the right way to play video games in my mind. But uh, the thing, and I I think this is the best thing about the Switch, and it's representative in the way that a lot of even the uh, first party software is developed. That the Switch is made for games that are either games that you play for 20 minutes or 20 hours, you know? And, like, that was what was great about Zelda. That was what was great about Mario. Like, and I, I think that's most of the strongest experiences on Switch are that, which is a game that is just as enjoyable for you to pop in and pop out or to really, really sink your teeth into. I still really don't know how I got any work done owning Zelda and taking it to work every single day. Dude, me neither. I must have gone over my lunch break like a million times. <laughs> um, I allegedly did that as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it was definitely one of those games where like, 
I was bringing my Switch with me everywhere and, like, literally just, like, looking like I was carrying around, like, a clutch bag, you know? Like, oh, I'm, yeah. Like, like, I'm going to the club and I'm just, like, I have my clutch and I had oh these- Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I always, I always had these moments where I was, like, out in public holding my Switch case and I'm, like, people just must think I'm a grown man carrying around a woman's purse. That Wait, has to be the takeaway here. Nothing wrong with that. No, and, I'm, and I, I don't care. Like, it was not a thing I was embarrassed by at all, but it was one of those things where I'm like, there's no way anyone, like, thinks this is a Nintendo Switch. I just mm-hmm. look like I'm carrying around this thing. And when I was, like, at work, and I was wearing, like, work clothes or something, it would just be like, oh, maybe it's, like, uh, like a, you know, um... What's what's the, like an accordion folder or something where uh-huh. it's like yeah, he's yeah. got his taxes or something. But when it's just me in a t shirt and jeans or whatever, it's like I look like just a dude with a purse. Like <laughs> Have you seen many people out in the world with a switch? Yeah. In the States I see him I see him fairly frequently. What do you see more of, the neon or the grey? The grey. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's it's funny though, because I, I don't see them super frequently uh in my home state of New Jersey. Because mm-hmm. New Jersey's definitely a more like residential state. Like there are there are cities, but there are less of them, and I don't spend much time in them because some of them are kind of gross. Um, but like when I've been on like public transit in New York City or Philadelphia, like for work or you know for leisure, I've seen them pretty frequently. I've I've seen a decent number of of even kids, but mostly adults. Rocking them. I was gonna say, what's the kind of age range that's that's using them? And I was gonna think it's probably people our age. Yeah, most of the kids that I see out in the real world with actual real video games, because like unfortunately, most of the time I just see them on a smartphone, which like fucking kills my soul. But um, most of the time, they have a 3ds. I never, ever, ever see anyone with a 3ds. Do you do They're a lot of public always... transit? I used to, not yeah. anymore. Oh right, you could drive now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting because I've definitely noticed it more and more. The last time I was in New York City, I saw like six switches, and I was like, "Damn, all right, we're coming along here." The the only time I've ever really clocked anyone was at a shopping center, and then besides that, when I went to see went to the Splatoon two European Championships, there were a lot of switches there. I'm sure. <laughs> The last time I was in the city, I saw a lot more of them. It's because I was in the city for New York Comic Con. So obviously, there was a huge influx of nerds. nerds descend. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Actually, I saw the most gangster thing I've ever seen in terms of, like, you being a huge nerd and just owning it. Whereas there was this dude who uh, had, like, a little pocket skateboard. And he was skateboarding through the crowds, walking to you know, Comic-Con, clearly mm-hmm. on his way there. Like, he had a badge and everything, but even if not, I could tell. Cause clearly he had... on his way there, he was dressed up as a comic book well, no, hero. no, here's the thing. He had one of those Splatoon hats that they sell, like the squid hats, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he had his Switch in one of those, like, wrap-along bags that, like, the messenger bags, and I was like, yo, my dude, all right, this guy's, this guy's ready to party. <laughs> Uh, so the uh the, we go on a lot more tangents without pixel you know <laughs> we do i think we're scared that he's gonna tell us off. He, he reigns us in you know well yeah he, that's he the does. thing i'm i'm afraid of him you know he's he's the dad i don't want to mm, get yeah. i don't want to get sent to bed with no uh with no dinner you know <laughs> i'm glad you went with the sent to bed not the other option <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. 
This is why we're an NSFW podcast, kids. So, uh, the last this game... Is like gonna... Luke, this is like Potscast's After Dark. After Dark. It is. This is the only time we've ever recorded it at night. It's weird. That reminds me. Do you remember a show on Nickelodeon? I was trying to, I was trying to tell a friend about it the other day, and he didn't know what it was. Called "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" Yeah, absolutely, I remember it. And they and like the intro, and they like f- throw like dust on the fire at the beginning of like going up in a different color, Dude. which now I know is just like metal. <laughs> they right. were throwing copper on it. <laughs> but that that show used to freak me out. It was so good. Yeah, it was way better than Goosebumps, and it was just like. I don't know, because I was really young. I mean, we're the same age, so I, we were really young when it was on TV. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where, like, I remember watching it, and it was, like, very much like Ren and Stimpy, where I'm like, I feel like I'm a little too young for this. Oh, you're way too you young know? for Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. You should sh- not be watching Ren and Stimpy till you're, like, 16. No one should watch Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> That's the real answer. But, yeah. Do you I, like Ren and Stimpy? No, I really don't. I, I way prefer our real monsters. I agree. Because really it was don't. gross in a way that was, like... Mm-hmm. 90s cartoon gross not like why did they ever approve this invader you know, sims pretty cool. i don't i don't want to get i love invader sim i was about to bring that up actually i was gonna say i don't want to get too far off on a nickelodeon tangent here <laughs> but like they made some really questionable decisions on who they gave television shows like red and stimpy should never have been produced ever by anyone let alone a children's network in invader sim look- whose idea was it to be like yeah you know what this underground goth comic artist whose most relevant work is about a literal serial killer who tortures <laughs> people in his basement and paints the walls with their blood let's give that guy a kid show what the fuck before we get back to the the actual podcast i keep trying to get to this last game you know you like talking about differences between americans and british people have yeah look up the character names for a tv show called captain pugwash just look them up i can't say them out but look them up captain pugwash captain pugwash yeah look look at the character names what are you guys watching over there Captain Pugwash. All right, I'm, I'm, no, don't look them up now. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm just googling it so that I don't forget. Okay, we'll we'll talk about this one off off mic. Oh my god, what is this? Okay, Captain Pugwash, Master Mate. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Let's get back to the show before somebody chastises us for talking about cartoons for too long. Because I got yelled at on Twitter when we talked about Inky Pen. So. Uh, okay, so last game out this week on Wednesday, January sixteenth. <laughs> what are you laughing about? I just, I just remembered that it didn't really clock in. Then I remembered that tweet about the inky. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like sixteen minutes or whatever. Because every time I was like, "Well, I'm done talking." You guys ask me a question. While we're on the subject of that, Pete, could you tell me a little bit more? About- <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Actually, I will have a piece of content coming out about Inky Pen in the next week or two, though, about uh, comic recommendations, so keep your eyes peeled to loopots.com for that. Oh, my God. Boom. Plugs. Okay, so last one, Octahedron, Transfixed Edition, the fifth time I've tried to say the name of this game. <laughs> Surf through the pulsating underworld on platforms you pull from the air where and when you want in this psychedelic action platformer. So this is that game where you, like, move the level and, like in real time to, like, kind of complete platforming, right? Uh, if you say so, Pete. No? Have you not seen uh, it? Or I, you just- I, I don't know. I think this looks... I, the reason I put this in, I think this looks entirely like uh, Geometry Wars. I just wanted to talk about Geometry Wars for a it, bit. It does have a very geomet- Geometry Wars style. 
it's got that like super like vibrant neon mm-hmm. with like the harsh black backgrounds it's like very stylish it's funny too because it's like i would say like very in uh it's like very in like vogue right now you know because like vaporwave and vaporware yeah it is, it's like yeah, very yeah. like hot right now so it's like yeah this is like perfect good time to like revive that style yeah, especially if you're interested in this game, uh, it is available right now, at least in the states, for pre-purchase, and it's on sale for like, uh, like four bucks off. So it is, yeah, until it comes out on the seventeenth. Yes. So you've got a week. So go check it out, man. I, I mean that like colloquially. You know, obviously, men and women should go check it out. It looks, it looks interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know that with. New Super Mario Brothers coming out tomorrow. That it's a good week to release a platformer. I don't know that it's a good week to release anything, but hey, here we are. Do you know, it could be Civilization Six on the same day as Pokemon. It could be that. <laughs> yeah, or uh, Katamari Damacy coming out the same day as Super Smash Brothers. Oh yeah, I actually bought that though. That really worked out well for me because I didn't get Super Smash Brothers. Like, whose idea was that? You know, like, come on, guys. Oh my god, we haven't even done the news. No! (laughs) We've been going for like 45 minutes. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's kind of like the fun thing of when you have a podcast that normally has like a set set amount of people and there's less of them. It's like, well, now there's room to fuck around because Mm -hmm. normally Pixel would have to talk too. And now we can talk about Nickelodeon and Windows. In the middle of our fucking Nintendo podcast. I listen to a podcast called Dubai Friday, and I highly recommend, if we if this stays in, highly recommend you go listen to that podcast called Dubai Friday. And every week they set a challenge that the whole crew has to do by Friday. So that, and That's one of the weeks, one of the week's challenges was solve a mystery, and it was Max's turn to do the challenge. This is Max Temkin, the creator of Cards Against Humanity. Oh, that's and cool. And he, he, have you ever listened to a podcast called Serial? Uh, I listened to a little bit of the first season. He, he made like a serial spoof of like solving this mystery that one of their Patreons wrote in about. And the, like That's the so mystery funny. was when I was a kid, I watched this TV show and I have no idea what it was, but it was too scary. My parents told me to go outside and he like did this 20 minute mini serial episode of like, and he's like properly going into detail like, it, it was Tuesday and I gave, I gave, uh, John a call to find out what was going on. And then, like, there would be, like, the Skype call of, like, pretty much a, a total parody. You should just That's have really to listen funny. to it. It was yeah. amazing. And no one was expecting it. It was incredible. That sounds cool. I'll check it out. I, I really want to check out, um, Split Screen as well. Cause I really love Schreier. I, I love Kotaku. I know that's your favorite. They've just show. added a third, um, host, Manny Myers. She's really oh, nice. Good. Nice. I would really like you next time, because uh, Schreier's going to be back on Kind of Funny's uh, Daily Games show. I'm going to send that to you when he's back on it, because it's a good show. I think you'd enjoy it. Is he coming on all the time? Or just one time? Just yes. once. Yeah. He's, because uh, I don't know where he's normally located. Does he live in LA? New York. Oh, okay. He's in New York. Um, he's going to be an SF for, I'm sorry, San Francisco. I don't know if you would know what that means, Mike. Oh, I know what's SF. I, I don't know. Like, it's, I literally... You know, it's like... That's one of those things where, if like... If you said, like, W-Y, I would even know what that one was. That's funny. See, I'm that good. Wow, you really know your American <laughs> geography. <laughs> I have no idea why we're going to segue about that. You better start and do an intro for me. 
I mean, I said jingle, jingle, jingle at some point. We'll cut it. It'll be fine. Oh, okay. I'll leave it to me. Maybe I'll do a voiceover. At this point, we should have done an intro, but Pete decided he didn't want to. So now we're going to talk about the news. Now back to Pete. <laughs> I can do a news intro. It's fine. I was just saying. <laughs> the outro's clean. That's the fine part. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The outro is fine. Yeah. Now so we're going to change Anyway, now. we're here now. We might as well just do the news. Okay. So, so first, I'll, I'll take over. First one. Wait, we're in it? I was going to yeah, I was gonna intro us. Yeah, so oh, in my it. God, Yo- dude. Yoshi's Crafters Craft. I can't be the host. <laughs> I really can't do it. Yoshi's. Let me do an American accent. No, I can't do that. <laughs> No, you have to now. Let's hear it. Oh, okay. Let's hear your American accent, Steve. I can't. No. It's Let's too hear embarrassing. It. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come but on. You do, you do British and I'll do American then. Okay. All right. You go first. Why am I going to go first? Because you're just going to be like, hello, governor. And it's going to be terrible. No, I've never had a single American be able to do a British accent. Hello, poppet. <laughs> oh, i got to say Yoshi, don't I? I don't know how to say Yoshi in... <laughs> Yoshi. Yoshi. Yoshi's, Yoshi. Yoshi's Crafted World. <laughs> right, so and it's like Kirby's... Yoshi's Crafted World. Right? <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Oh my god. I love when I love when British people do bad American accents. Because you all you all do it exactly the same way where you're like, what if how, I just what if I just talk like they... John Wayne? Like Oh, I don't even know who John Wayne hey. is. Hello, Pilgrim. <laughs> Yoshi's Crafted World is coming out. It's like, what are you doing? Do I sound like that? I I feel like I must to you guys sound like, and we're already off topic. We haven't even gotten into the news and we're already screwing this up. So we're, we're killing it tonight, Steve. But I feel like when I talk, I must sound to you guys like that scene in the uh, original Spider-Man. Have you seen the original Spider-Man movie, Sam Raimi Spider-Man? Is that the one with Peter with, Parker? With Green... Not Peter Parker. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me, Steve? The one with Green Goblin. It's the original Spider-Man movie from like 2000. No. No, what's his name? Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that one. Okay, so there's that, <laughs> there's that scene where he's on the Brooklyn Bridge and all the New Yorkers are like yelling at Green Goblin and there's this one dude and I, it's literally my favorite, it's my favorite moment in like cinema history where this guy's like, hey, you gotta mess with a guy trying to save a bunch of kids? And it's like, I feel like that's what I sound to you, sound like to you guys. <laughs> I think I'm finding a clip of that. So, Yoshi's Crafted World and Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn are both releasing this March. Uh, Nintendo of America took to Twitter, and then shortly thereafter, the rest of the Nintendo Twitters got in line and threw out short, very, very short teaser trailers that, that announced the dates for both of these games. Yoshi's Crafted World's coming to Switch on March 29th, while Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn is coming to 3DS on March 8th. Uh, this was so weird. And this is, like, the the through line of all of this news of, like, really? Because we all thought we all thought there was a direct coming, and it's kind of weird that all this stuff yeah. is just getting thrown out on Twitter. And, like, they dropped a, uh, a story trailer on Nintendo's YouTube and for, yeah. for Yoshi, and it's like, all right, I guess, I guess this is where this stuff's coming out. I mean, I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting, I mean, I woke up, Slack had exploded on my phone, and like, you guys were all 
all you Americans on, on the Loot Pots Slack was, were going crazy, like, oh, I'm writing this up, oh, I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah. There yeah, was like well, five stories that came out. You have no idea how nice it is now, because <laughs> when that stuff used to happen, it was just like, well, I'm alone, so I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> I remember when they did the Dragalia Lost stream or whatever, and it's like oh, six yeah. in the morning for you guys, and I was like, all right, I will write this thousand word article yeah. alone. How's that game? You still play it? And, no. Right, forget that. We can't go off topic again. <laughs> Keep it on. Um, I was I I was surprised, and then not surprised at the same time. It's a small story. Yoshi's Crafted War was already on the eShop is coming soon anyway. So there was already it was already kind of and we spoke about it on the last show it was already kind of this is probably the next one to come out. We were already assuming that after New Super Mario Bros. this was the next one. Yeah, we were off by about a month. I think we guessed it would be like maybe a February title, but yeah. you know, I, I I guess it's just to me like it. It's obviously not an announcement that comes with a lot of fanfare, but it seems weird to me to announce the release date for like a high-profile first-party Nintendo game that people have been waiting to hear about for. And it's obviously not as high-profile as something like you know. Uh, uh, like Breath of the Wild or, or the next Pokemon or something like that. But, you know, Yoshi's a decently big franchise and, like, there is certainly a fan base for it. And I was surprised that it was, like, out of nowhere at, like, 8.30 p.m. on a Wednesday. Oh, you know? DTW, we're still bringing this game out. Oh, not even Wednesday. It was a Tuesday. It's just like, yeah, by the way, hey, here's the release date. It's like, oh, okay. And well, it was, like, amid all these rumors that there was yeah. supposed to be a direct coming this week. Well, and then there was that conversation of are they just getting the good the 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 low ball stuff out of the way? Yeah, and then which, we're going to have some really really juicy for the Nintendo Direct, which would be nice. I don't see there's going to be a Nintendo Direct this week. Now. No, me neither. It's, it's, ele- it's like eleven p.m. Wednesday UK time, and we haven't and, heard about it. And it ain't coming tomorrow at this rate, no. unless it's like when they drop that mini direct, and it was literally here's the mini direct. Yeah, no which kind is of possible. announcement. It was just that was it. But then why would they not include this in the mini direct? Right. Because it is small news, you'd just chuck that in, wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's kind of my that's kind of my issue with that theory. You know, like I, I we were talking about that on, on Slack earlier, uh, among the team, and Pixel kind of threw that idea out there, and I was like, Well, I don't I don't know that I agree with that because like we're we're like even like the idea of getting these out of the way, these were both like less than twenty second teasers. The Yoshi mm-hmm. one is like 18 seconds. The Kirby one is like eight seconds. Uh, that would not have taken up. It would have taken up literally less than half a minute. Oh, yeah. So it, you have the voiceover. It'd be like, next up, here's Yoshi's crafted world. And then it'll be the trailer. And then it'll be, it's coming March 29th. Move on to the next piece. That's right. it. Like you're talking about like with the bumpers, like under 45 seconds, probably. And, like, you're telling me you don't have space for that? How much big news do they have that this stuff doesn't fit in that conversation? Unless it's a direct that's focused on one topic. That's the only you thing know, that like makes sense. a Smash Bros. direct or a Pokemon direct that's one game. It could be that, you know, the Animal Crossing direct is coming. We're just going to talk about all the things we've changed in Animal Crossing. we give it a title. We'll give it maybe a release date. And you find out all about Animal Crossing for 30 minutes. Don't it could be me. something like that. Don't excite me, Steve. Don't play with my heart like that. <laughs> It's an Animal Crossing direct, and they're coming to Amiibo Festival too. No, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my question for you: Are you excited for either of these games? No, not really. You're not gonna play. They're them? both too easy for me. Mm, I will probably play Yoshi. 
I, yeah, I'll probably pick up Yoshi. I like. I, I, I definitely won't get Kirby on. No, 3DS, me neither. So I'm done with that console. Yeah, and I I agree. I'm done with the 3DS, and I've played Epic Yarn. Like it's a fine game. Like, but I don't need to go back to it. Didn't need to be extra epic for you. Epic was enough. Yeah, epic was enough. So, but I but I am interested in Yoshi's Crafted World. I haven't played a Yoshi game in some time, and did you, know, you play I, Willy World? I did not. I was uh, just preoccupied it was like when i was in college and my money was tight and i was you know busy so like the amount of games i was picking up was definitely less than normal so mm-hmm. it was just one where i'm like ah you know i could skip this one and you know i because of that i think i'm actually more excited for this one because it feels like a like a real proper length of time since i've played a yoshi game you know i can't even remember the last one i got well i'm really drawn to the aesthetic of the game it looks me beautiful. too it's very pretty like the lovely um, felty-looking Yoshi and yeah. the the gorgeous cardboard cutouts and things, and the trailer was like really, really whimsical and cool, and I liked that as well. And I think I think it plays to the Switch's strengths, which is mm-hmm. like doing art that is pretty but not like realistic. Yeah, because like you know, you don't want Red Dead Redemption's not going to play on it. It's it's it you know no. stuff like that's not going to come. But like a gorgeous, well art directed game. Like Yoshi or Breath of the Wild runs wonderfully. Yep, and frankly, you know, I think that like the decision to make games that way has paid dividends for Nintendo in the past. Like you look at like Resident Evil Four versus Wind Waker. Which one looks better? Wind, Wind Waker. Waker. Right. So well, you'll be able to find out when Resident Evil Four comes to the Switch later this year. There you go. But I also I also think that. Like, there's an era of games when it didn't work. You know, none of the games from, say, the N64 era, as much as people were nostalgic for them, they all look terrible. Oh, yeah. Like, the, there's, like, no textures, and, mm-hmm. yeah, like, there's a lot of... But you go to the SNES, and all of those games look beautiful. Timeless. You look at, like, Link pi- to the Past or Chrono Cross, uh, Chrono Trigger, and then they all just... You could play them forever, and yeah. they'll always look good. And I mean, I think it's the difference, right, of, like, people, like, we grew up with the N64 and the PS1, so we, you know, don't necessarily think of those games as being as primitive as they were, because, like, those games are really the equivalent of, like, you know, what Atari was doing in the early days of, of pixel graphics, of just being like, how do we do this? We've never had to work in three dimensions I mean, before. Somewhat, and... but you have the Super, Super FX chip on the, on the SNES. Yeah, and I know like, that what, wasn't a lot, games? and it was like... T- it was like 12 frames per second on the right. on Star Fox. But yeah, I mean, it added so much. You got the analog stick from the N64. That's everywhere. I can't imagine playing 3D games without it. Right. How the hell I play Tomb Raider without it, I don't know. So yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? Is I think, I don't know. I, I like that Nintendo chooses to go their own way in that regard. Is that like, we don't need to be photorealistic. That graphics don't need to be... 4k to look great you know like something that's stylized can often hold up better so i i really like this the aesthetic of this game and i think at the very least it's going to be charming and uh, i'm looking forward to, to giving it a shot so also announced uh coming in april is dragon's dogma dark arisen which is like the complete re-release they did of, of dragon's dogma a couple years back uh, if you're not familiar with dragon's dogma it's a capcom game it's like a very kind of like Swords and sorcery, you're hunting monsters, you're, you know, that kind of thing. Like, if you like, you know, more Western RPGs, it's like a more Western RPG done by a Japanese company. 
So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm reading about it. it. Says it was inspired by Western RPGs such as Oblivion and Fable Two. Yep. So that's intriguing. Yeah, and Dragon's Dogma was really interesting. It was the game when it came out. It was like the resounding opinion about it was, oh, it's so close to being really good. And then they did oh. they did the re-release, and people were like, oh my god, it's it's incredible. It's almost like a brand new game. Like you need to give this a shot. Like I know a lot of people who really loved it and sunk some time into it. So you know, I'm I'm kind of looking for a new open world to run around in. Maybe this is the one. It could be. Uh, so then, next up, we got the announcement of the next set of NES games coming to the Switch Online system on January 16th, uh, which are Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link and Master Blaster. So, pretty cool additions. Um, yeah, I've always wanted to play Zelda 2 with... You've never touched it. With, with the freaky-ass side-scrolling. Oh, no, yeah. I've never played it. Dude, Zelda 2 is cool. Like, it's... It's it's really interesting because it's... I I really appreciate it because it's such a weird relic. Like, it's it's so of its time. Because, like, I think it's so funny when you look at Zelda 2 and the international version of Super Mario Bros. 2... And it's like, like you look at like how we do game sequels now, and it's like, all right, let's do the same thing but different, you know? And it's like, yeah. no, like this is like sequels weren't really a thing, so it's like, oh, we got to make a second one. Let's do a totally different game because nobody wants to play the same game twice, right? <laughs> it's like you look at Zelda two; it has not like nothing in common with Zelda one, and it's like there's nothing in common with any other Zelda game. And no, it's like so fundamentally different. And it's cool. It's 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 a really a good game, and I think it's really uh, maligned because it's not like other games in the series. But that's what yeah. makes it special. If it had a different name, I think people would probably like it more. Yeah, Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link. Eh. Wasn't the first one also The Adventure of Link? Come on, Come was on. it really? Yeah, you're Link, and you go on an adventure in every uh, game. Okay. You could yeah, literally call every Zelda game Zelda: The Adventure of Link. That is literally true about every Zelda game. Yeah. Uh, but and then Master, Master Blaster, Blaster yeah, had a remake like last year. It did. It was pretty good. Yeah. Is it a game you're a fan of? Uh, I I played a little bit of the one when they brought it to Switch because I was like, yeah, new game. I need a Switch game to play right now, and I played it for a little bit. It's fun. Oh, it was during that time. Yeah, it was nothing. like when it was like brand new. So it's yeah, like yeah. it's a solid little Metroidvania. It's it's definitely like unique in that one, regard. One, one for Max. Yeah, I think Max would like it quite a bit. And I'm I'm excited to revisit the original because I want to see like how different the re- the remake was because it was literally the same game redone with like an updated style and, you know, like made it look like a totally modern game. So I'm kind of excited to go back and play the original and kind of like compare notes. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's always good to see where games come come from. Like I've said a million times on this podcast before, that's about as much enjoyment as I get out of it. I get two minutes. Oh, the Cooper's eldest. Oh, I'm done with it. You're a monster. And then I go, and then I go and play a good Zelda. Oh <laughs> my! <laughs> just twist the knife, why don't you? I was about to say you're a monster, but I love you anyway. And then you just throw salt in my gaping. Do you know mood. what? I absolutely love. I absolutely love many, many Zelda games. Just not brown ones, and not really old ones. I really love Link to the Past. Okay. I really, really love You Women better. Care. And I really love Breath of the Wild. Okay. Three out of ten ain't bad. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or I've how got issues. fourteen? I've got issues with things like Twilight Princess. I don't really. Like I also it. don't like Twilight Princess, so unpopular opinions but, prevail on this episode. But I played it on the Wii, and I know it's mirrored and weird. Yeah, but I played it on GameCube, and I still hated it. So okay, I've never played Skyward Sword. I never played that one either. Maybe that's coming. We haven't heard anything about that either. I don't. Uh, oh, I meant to say during the Dragon's Dogma thing. <laughs> Because why not? Let's just go back in time. <laughs> this is like, this is a massacre of an episode. <laughs> I'm so sorry, listeners. Um, I meant to say, Capcom's really like tripled down on what they're bringing to the Switch, haven't they? Yeah, because, got, because they probably realized that you can just release old games and fucking print money. Okay, I mean, you've got Dragon's Dogma, we've got Ace Attorney, we've got three Resident Evil games. Two Mega Man got- Collections. Two Mega Man, Mega Man collections, Onimusha Warlords. What else yeah. have we got? Mega Man 11. It's, Which it's multi-plat, but yeah, they're putting they've, a lot of games they've out. They've got to be the like the biggest third party on the Switch at the moment. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Maybe followed by Bethesda. Oh, you know what else? They did the Street Fighter collection. Oh my god. Or not the collection, it was uh, it was the re-release. Yeah, the Turbo. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so they, they've been they were all in on the Switch from day one, and it like has obviously paid dividends for them because I know that that Street Fighter game sold like really well. So I'm mm. sure they were like, okay, yeah, this is a place we want to put out games. Especially I again, how I, hard is it to re-release old games? You know, yeah, I, especially I mean, I the think architecture a lot of it probably comes down to like being in Japan and knowing how big that handheld market is, and then getting your hands on the Switch and going, oh, you know what, we can release any game that anyone can play anywhere. Yep. This is gonna sell well. Yeah, and, like, I imagine that there's a, like... Because I think the Switch is the perfect system for being the game where it's like, oh, I always wanted to play that. It's coming to Switch? Mm -hmm. Great. Or you're like, oh, I love that game. It's coming to Switch? Total excuse to buy it again and never play it. Yep. I've done that with so many games. I've done that with so many, so many games. (laughs) Uh, It's just like, oh, I love this. I want to support it. I'll play this again. No, I won't. I have no time to replay games. Whatever. You know what? I find myself replaying games instead of playing new ones and i don't understand why i do it because you're all getting old steve and well yeah i am an old man but it's like i have the desire to play skyrim for like the bazillionth time but i haven't played red dead it's just like what why am i doing that to myself well i think there's something to like doing something that's familiar and it's like, oh, I yeah, can it's get into easy. This. It doesn't take it's any like effort. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. I guess it's like watching crap TV. Yeah, you, I was literally about to say is. that. It's it's the same reason that when I'm when I'm tired and like want to just put on something to veg out to that I watch The Office or something for the tenth oh, time. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go watch Married at First Sight after this. There you go. Exactly. Absolutely horrific show, but I cannot stop watching. But it doesn't matter. Like it's junk food. You know, it is. Yeah, it's junk food. For or, or it's or it's comfort food. If it's good TV, like right, like I, I genuinely like Parks and Recreation is my favorite show. Oh, I've watched it probably the thirty best. times all the way through. You know, and it's like, yeah, it's I can put it on in the background, and I know the jokes, and it doesn't matter. It's comfortable. You know, it's it's like mm. it's like when you go home and you haven't been home for a long time, and you eat like your parents' like favorite meal that they make, and you're just like, yeah, like it's it feels it feels warm. It's comfortable. Yeah. You know, what do you think of a good place? Oh, I really like it. I've only watched half of the first season. And oh my god! You I'm, really need to watch it. To the I'm end so of this into season. it, and I I started watching it with my girlfriend, and she's like lukewarm on it. So I'm like at the point where I'm about to just leave her in the rearview mirror and watch it by myself. You really need to watch it to the end of the first season, and then like as you're watching as you're watching it, you're just like, oh, I'm kind of done with this, and then it's like, and then it gets it you. Gets, it gets good. 
I'm trying. To... I was I was like your girlfriend. I was like, oh yeah, well, I'm kind of done with. Oh look, great. Uh, that's why I'm like really pushing to be like, can we just finish the first season and see how you feel about it? And if you're not into it, I'm gonna f- keep watching on my own. So yeah, because season two gets really good. So I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> I'll cut a load of this. I'll cut a load of this. No one <laughs> needs to know that the Good Place is really worth watching, and it's a Netflix original. You should totally go see it. It's not a Netflix original. It is everywhere other than America. Oh my god, you guys are so weird. It's like Riverdale is like that too. Anyway, what? no, and and uh, Breaking Bad and the that... Better Soul. What? Yeah. What the? F- okay, okay. We don't have time for this. <laughs> Nintendo Switch and 3DS games. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have a better segue than that in case you do actually. What get... was that all about? That was like, that was like, I don't know, the announcer voice from fucking Unreal Tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I have a decent announcer voice. Let's do it. Is what? it like footballer announcer? Or is it newsreader? Uh, it's it's more like somewhere between monster truck rally guy, you like car ad, and like the Super Smash Brothers announcer. Okay, so we've yeah. this episode we've had the monster truck guy, and we've had the used car salesman. Is that the one you're on about? Yeah, this is like the Ven, okay. it's the Venn diagram of those three. It's like okay, voices. and it's like Pete. Is yeah. in the intersection of all three. Yes. Okay. Nintendo Switch and 3DS games can now be purchased from the Humble Store! <laughs> <laughs> so this is huge Only news. in the USA. Yeah, only in the USA. But that's where I live, so... Uh, this is huge. This is a big, big announcement. I mean, like, I think it was last year when Nintendo did their first, like, the Humble Nintendo bundle... Um, or it might have been two years ago at this point. It's hard to keep track, but and that was like, oh wow, I can't believe Humble is starting to do console stuff. And they, they did it with PlayStation after that, and it was really interesting. But now to see it, like, there's an entire like third party solution for you to buy Nintendo games. That's unheard of. Yeah, well, I mean, you've, I don't know that it's that big of a story because you could already go on to like Amazon, right? Target, Walmart, Amazon and buy a download code, and it's the exact same thing. And they're still full-price games. In fact, they're more expensive than the eShop at the moment because the eShop has a big sale on. I think the thing Um, is, though, like this could actually create competition because I doubt that Humble's prices are going to rise and fall with the eShop. So there might be an opportunity for you to get sales on the Humble store that don't exist. We might see more Humble Nintendo bundles. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the opportunity that you'll be able to, uh, you know, buy your Nintendo games and also give to charity. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's a big thing, and I think if people had humble credit, and I know when they were doing the sign up, they were enticing people to giving you five bucks. sign up, and you could get five dollars discount on a title. I think a lot of people were like buying the twelve month online. Yep. So because so, you can stack it up to three times, so you can go. Yeah. So people were just going on buying that for fifteen bucks, and then um, adding it to their account, which makes sense. I mean, is the, are you likely to buy it from here rather than the eShop? I or think do you think it, you'll just go eShop? I think it depends. Like, I think if they're, if, if these are like, if they are doing bundles, I would definitely look at that because I think, especially for our, for what we do here, that could be hugely valuable to us to buy a Humble Bundle subscription and give away codes on the show or whatever. Yeah. Definitely a huge boon. Uh, and again, like, if it is consistent where it's like, oh, the prices are always exactly the same. It's like, well, I mean, I could buy it and get a kickback to charity which is nice so i mean i i definitely think that 
I will buy games from the Humble Store, but I doubt it will be any more or less than I do for PC games, which is mm-hmm. semi-frequently. You know, I probably buy a Humble Bundle two to three times a year. Okay, I mean, I put only about one Humble Bundle, but then I'm not a PC gamer. Yeah. So yeah. I think it had like one game, well, I had like some games for the Mac in it. Yeah, I'm not a huge PC it. gamer either, which is why like I don't buy them super frequently, but it's like they mm-hmm. do good comics bundles sometimes, you know, they've done a couple good software bundles, like they do do things other than games, which a lot of people yes. I don't think are aware of. So I'm, this is a story that I think is, is most interesting because I think it speaks a lot to how much Humble is growing and it is going to be interesting to see if it creates some competition or, and if you'll be able to get more deals more frequently. I mean, I'm not surprised they're they're growing. They got bought by IGN, so it's, they, they've got the money. But um, it's it's worth noting that these are only first party Switch titles at the moment. So even games that were published by Humble, like Wonder Song, are not available. You, you can't buy it for the Switch through the Humble Store. I I hope that changes in the future, and I hope that this is another place where third parties can sell their games for the Switch because I think. A lot of indie devs really like Humble, and and the fact that they're publishing indie games now, I I can I can only imagine that would be kind of a a win for someone. If your game's published by Humble, you probably get a cheaper rate if you sell it through the Humble store. Yeah, I would imagine so. So this is one to keep an eye on. We'll see how it develops, and uh, you know, I imagine it's something that you can also see us cover on LootBots.com if there are substantial sales or bundles or whatever that are like worth checking out. So keep it tuned, and uh, you know, we'll update you as it develops. So our last story is one that uh, I'm going to kick over to you, Steve, because I I, I did not keep up with the story because it's oh, uh, a European only thing. Um, yeah, but uh, Nintendo has debuted a new online community for Splatoon Two, specifically for European players, which is interesting. Yeah, so it's at Splatoon Two Tournament dot com, and the the idea is that you will go here and you can uh, you can either register your existing team. So if you have a squad together that you want to enter into tournaments, you can do. But if you don't have anyone you can find a team. So you could be a solo player or you could already have three people in your team and you need that fourth person. You can find a team. And it's actually all done through Discord. They have an ofi- now have an official Splatoon 2 Discord setup that you essentially join and you can talk with people and there's like um, channels in there that you can talk on and get tips from pro players, that kind of thing. Uh, and then you can register and enter open tournaments. So there's a tournament ongoing uh, later this month on January 13th, there's the Splatoon 2 EU Community Cup that anyone in Europe can enter. Uh, and Nintendo added that even if your country's not listed on the website and you're in Europe, you can still enter. So, oh, that's the, cool. So at the moment, they've only got um, a, f- a few select countries, uh, including the UK, uh, d- uh, Sweden, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, and... Um, They'll be adding more as as things go. Awesome, but it's it's a nice it's a nice place I think to go. Now that the Splatoon two's kind of en- ended, it's kind of like reached its. They're not adding any more content to it. This just kind of prolongs the life, I think. That if you still are getting something out of Splatoon, or maybe you've played Splatoon to so much and you want to get into competitive Splatoon and enter championships and potentially even make it to the the World Championships, which were held at E3 last year, 
you can do that through you can do that through here without having to go to an event. So previously, prior to this, you would have to go to an event like um, EGX, for example, uh, in the UK, which is a big big game show. You could have gone there and you could have entered in for a qualifying round, and then if you got through to that, you went through to the finals, which um, was at Comic Con in Birmingham here, which I went to. They've now gone through to the European finals. So this, I believe, eventually will allow you to qualify for the European finals. Uh, and you'll go up against the teams that qualified uh, uh, through through events throughout Europe. That's really cool. And I, I think for me, as someone whose you know, interest in Splatoon has kind of waned, uh, admittedly, I, I think this is specifically interesting because, like, that there's an official Discord server that Nintendo mm-hmm. set up. And I'm questioning why this is only in Europe, but I think this could be a step forward towards hopefully uh, more stuff like this for their competitive online games because I think clearly nobody likes the Nintendo online app. Like, they're the Nintendo Switch app. No, and I mean, it's really strange that you've got now Discord, which they're using for, you can use voice chat in, alongside their official app, which has the Splatoon 2 Splatnet. They could have added this kind of thing to that right. if it was worldwide. So it's it's kind of weird. And it's also kind of weird that it's just Nintendo Europe. Like you say, yeah. it's not in America. There's nothing in Japan. It is just a European initiative at the moment. Which is funny because, like, generally Europe is the market that gets shafted, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to, like, this kind of stuff. So it's, like, very interesting. And I wonder if I wonder if they chose Europe because it's their smallest market. Well, I, I also think that Splatoon 2 has been has been big here. Like, we had uh, the creator of Splatoon 2 come to the, the championship. That's true, the yeah, UK. I do remember you saying that. And, and it, was, it, was a, it was a big thing. It was the first one that he'd gone to, uh, and he said it was, it was amazing to see. I, and I think probably it gave Nintendo Europe a bit of a boost to go, you know, we're on to something here, let's keep, let's keep this going. Uh, who knows? It might work out, it might not. I think it's probably been... It's probably been pretty popular. Uh, if you go and click on to join the official Discord, uh, it's now got 1,565 members, and the, it's it's been growing. That was zero when I, that was like 30 when I joined um, the other day. So there's it's it's gone up significantly since then. I think it's only going to continue to grow. Yeah, and I think I think this is another one similar to the the last story where it's like the long-term ramifications are probably more interesting than the initial story of just, like, what does this mean for the future? Like, is it, are we going to see this kind of thing for, like, Splatoon 3 and other, you know, Smash and maybe ARMS 2, like, those kinds of things moving forward? And I hope so, because I think it's clear that Nintendo's app is not good and people don't like it, and most gamers use Discord. You know, I think Pixel's yeah. one of the only people I know who is, like, not on discord already you know and like when i was playing splatoon 2 i used discord to set up my splat squad and talk to my friends while we were playing oh yeah i'm part of a splatoon uh server or a a multi-game server that plays splatoon and we played splatoon and mario kart and a bunch of other games and it's like that's that's the that's where people go you have your own group of friends and you find new friends on online or you team up people on the official reddit boards and that's how you. That's how people are finding people. It's not through the Splatoon Two app or 
Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, I mean it's like not even possible to do that, you know? No, but like you could add, like I have had people add me as a friend, sure, having played with me on Splatoon two. Yeah, but even if you did that, like how would you then go to the thing of like cool, let's be friends and communicate and you know yeah. it's like it's you can. so you can't. It's and so cumbersome to to try and actually connect with yeah. people that way. Plus, the audio quality is awful. Yeah, it's garbage. Really bad. So and yeah, in in general, this is a far better solution. And yeah. it's one I hope we see Nintendo adopt across the board. Where it's just like I, I, it's interesting if you'll if you'll notice, right? Like, when's the last time they brought up the Nintendo Switch Online app? They don't mention uh, it. Like probably Diablo three. No, did nothing's. What other games have got the additional in-app thing? I there was could, one that they announced. I swear it. And I honestly, got, I, I couldn't tell you because it's been so long since I engaged with it. Yeah, I never opened it. But, so I don't know. I think that's my takeaway here from this story is that I, I am really eager to see Nintendo continue their partnership here with Discord and, and see it grow because I think it's a natural match made in heaven. Nintendo doesn't want to figure out how to set up online infrastructure and things like voice chat and all that stuff. They're, they're notoriously and woefully ill-equipped to do so. You know, like, you look look no further than how they botched Smash's online launch, right? Like, mm-hmm. online for Nintendo is still a problem. And Discord is great at what they do. They are basically ubiquitous when it comes to, like, gamers having a place to connect and use voice chat and set up multiplayer, you know, stuff like this. It's That's, well, that's what people do now. Even even further, I'd like to see kind of deeper integration. If they are open to using Discord and working with Discord... Let's put a I'd Discord like app on see, Switch, man. Yeah, like, even just being able to connect your Discord account to your Switch, like you can do on Xbox, so it shows what game you're playing on Dis- on Discord. So people can see, oh, Pete's playing Smash, I'll log on to Smash and I'll challenge him to a game, and I can message him and say, oh, do you want to play some Smash Bros? Yep. Or... I'm going to jump onto... I can see you're online on Discord. I don't have to have my Switch open in order to see that. I'll invite him to play a game of Splatoon. Um, and being able to do that and then maybe even start a voice chat through it. And it, it, it stops... It solves them having to solve voice chat and solve uh, messaging. And, and even the friends list. And it would make them look cool. Like, you would, yeah, it would, you know, it would be like, oh, look at Nintendo being so hip and forward and, like, partnering with Discord, which is, like, the thing that we like to use and not making us use this just, like, this just stupid, outdated app, you know, like. Plus, I, I mean, it, it solves, it solves them having to sort out all of the parental control stuff as well, because if you don't want your kids to use Discord, you just don't let them link it. Yep. And then and then you, you don't have to worry about them being added by strangers or talking to people that they shouldn't be, that kind of thing. So. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you could even leave the Nintendo Switch Online app in place for kids if that's what you want to do, but like, let you know, adult gamers who use Discord use Discord. That's what we use, that's what we want to use. Don't make me use a PC to enhance my you know, Nintendo experience, you know? Like, Meet them halfway. And it would be a huge thing for Discord. You know? Like, I'm sure that would be a huge boon for them. So, I don't know. I don't know that that's something that's going to happen based on this, but it certainly seems like a step closer towards what I actually want to see. So, I, I like this news. I think this is a cool one. And it's a perfect place to end this week's episode of the podcast. <laughs> So remember, uh, if you guys want to connect with us and let us know what you think about 
this or any other story that we discussed this week on the show, um, you know, write into us at lootpots.com. That, oh, no, that's the wrong one. That is, I can't believe I just did that. It's, I'm so, I'm so tired. <laughs> it's, you can, it's Potscast. You can write into us at Potscast at lootpots.com. That's P-O-T-S-C-A-S-T at lootpots.com. Uh, follow us at lootpots on Twitter. We are so close to passing 2,000 follows. Uh, oh, we are we are like we 20 away it. at this point. So go give us that follow. If you don't already follow us on Twitter for some reason, uh, go get involved in that over there. We're, you know, we're, we're trying to get more active on Twitter and engage with the community a little bit more. So please go and give us that follow. Help us reach 2,000 followers. And, uh, you know, we'll catch you next week for another episode of the podcast. We love you. We won't. We won't. Me and Steve won't. But Pixel will... So, someone may be here. Pixel Par and maybe probably two other alternate universe versions of himself will be here. Or Evil Pete. And... The Steve from an alternate the, universe who likes Ocarina Steve, of Time. Yeah. The <laughs> Ocarina of Time is very green. I can't make Marvel jokes. I was going to say it's like Ultimate Steve, but you wouldn't get that, so... Someone will. Someone's gonna laugh Someone at that now. Someone Someone's will. Gonna laugh. Or they're gonna come and tweet at me and be like, "Stop fucking talking about comic books." <laughs> <laughs> so we've somehow drawn out the outro even on this one. But all right, we'll catch you next time. We love you dearly.